Hey, Nathan, I think to say that it's been a trying time for people looking for cars the last couple of years, especially new cars, is an understatement. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, very much so. And, and prices have been going through the roof, especially at dealerships where they're pushing people. It's hard to find vehicles that economically-minded human beings really need or want. Yeah, and then, of course, the popular cars are seeing incredible dealer markups. Yes. Uh, ADMs. Uh, and uh, even non-popular cars are seeing incredible ADMs. So I was listening to a podcast. Do you know the uh, Daily Driver guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Out of Utah? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, they were talking about, like, um, that we need basically generic equivalents of some of the cars that people are trying to buy. I would agree. And I, I think they might actually exist in some cases. Yeah, so I thought to myself, you know what, let's actually take that literally and let's come up with a list of hot cars that are seeing incredible market adjustments mm-hmm. or are unobtainium because people are buying them and flipping them or because the dealers are ordering them and then you know flipping them uh, much above the market price. Uh, and let's kind of talk about budget-friendly equivalents that you can get. That sounds like great. That's right up my alley. So, I like that idea. So there, there are a couple of ground rules on this list that we're going to okay. be talking about today, and there are 22 of these cars. First, we're going to be focusing on new cars. So we're not going to be talking about like, hey, if you want this car, maybe you should think about getting this older version of it. Yeah, I'm not going to say even once buy a used Camry. Okay, <laughs> which would be uh, potentially doable. All right, so that's that's number one. Uh, and num- number two, um, um we're going to be talking about price, so we're going to be talking about the base price of these cars. Mm, that's not, correct. Not the like the price you can eventually move them up to. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, so let's start with uh, a car that is completely unobtainium, uh, and that is the uh, Porsche 911. Yeah, at $116,000 as a base price. Good luck finding one for that price. Uh, very difficult right off the bat. I mean, it's almost impossible to get. So, so we need to come up with a generic equivalent that does basically the same thing. So we're talking about a car that uh, has kind of the same spirit, has the same, you know, like a drug, right? It would do the same thing, except it would be much cheaper. Right. And I see what you've put here. And I would actually agree with you. Uh, if you can even find one of these, though, frankly, they're, they're hard to get as well. That'd be the Chevy Corvette for $66,000. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, good starting price. Of course, uh, Chevy Corvettes, the C8 now, the latest one, has been around for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and people have been marking them up as well, especially if you're looking at like one of the more uh, extreme models like the Z06, right? Right, right. So people have been marking those up. So let me ask you this. I didn't put this on here. Is there, an, is there a generic equivalent of a Chevy Corvette? Yes, there is. What's um, that? You can get your hands on a $40,000, basically, uh, Ford Mustang GT. Now, I know, I know, the engine is in the wrong place, and it's an actual four-passenger you know, vehicle and all that. But in terms of the spirit, and you said spirit, in terms of the spirit of having something fun to drive, the Ford Mustang is a very good equivalent for an awful lot of these extremely expensive vehicles out there. And let's face it, in terms of V8s, there aren't that many left. So this is a fun car right off the bat, four-wheel independent suspension. It's a modern vehicle, very fun to drive, easy to throw around corners, very easy to live with. So I would say that if you have to go and go slumming and instead of spending ridiculous amounts of money, only spend almost ridiculous amounts of money, 
Why not look at the Ford Mustang? I, I, I'm going to have to. So I put this list together with Zach, and we had some pretty straight ground rules, uh-huh. and you just broke them. So oh, l- here l- I go. L- let me make it harder on you, okay? okay? And I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. So first of all, you can't go from you can go from rear engine to mid engine, but you can't go from mid engine to front engine. Okay. So different car, right? So it's mm. got it's got to be you know similar in its the number of doors, kind of the the the, the placement of the engine, kind of you know. You're going from kind of sports car to muscle car with the Mustang, right? Even though it kind of lives in this weird netherworld. So, so let me tell you what, a, like a generic equivalent of a Chevy Corvette would be, a Porsche Cayman. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But now although, you now you get it. But the Porsche Cayman is about the same price, if not more expensive. Mm. They're really pricey. Are they? Do they? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're really pricey. Do they start too. at? Do they start at? Uh, six? I think you'll be lucky to get one under seventy, but I'll, I'll check it out as we continue. So what? What else could? Let's think about this. What else could be a generic equivalent of a Corvette? Well, so, see, I'm not going to say. Um, and so I know like, some of you, once upon a time, it would have been like the MR2, but that's no longer that's around. That's exactly what I was going to say. Or yeah. the Fiero. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, X19. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, what a great car that but was. But we can't huh? go used. It's got to be new, and it's got to be gettable. Um, I, you know, honestly, I can't think of any other rear-engine vehicles that are remotely. Right. I, think, um, I think you're right. The Corvette uh, is going to be the cheapest, cheaper than a Cayman, even. Yeah, uh, the, the Caymans are remarkably expensive. Um, I'm trying to see what the current price is here. It looks like between sixty-eight and seventy. Yeah, so, so maybe it, it depends. I, but on I which. would, but in terms of you know against the Corvette, I think that the Cayman is more expensive as such. It is for a Porsche 911, yes, a much less uh, expensive equivalent, but not compared to the Corvette. Hmm. All okay. right, all right. Well, I'll think about it. There's got to be a generic equivalent for. And a Corvette. by the way, I would be right if you drove the Mustang backwards. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just in reverse the whole time, Exactly. Huh? Then I would be correct. All right, all what, right. What, so is, what is the cheapest mid-engine or rear-engine car you can buy? In the United States? Yeah. I think the Corvette is it now. I can't yeah. think of any other vehicle. I mean, yes, there's some electric vehicles out there. Theoretically, you could say, oh, well, you know, the motor's behind you. But that doesn't really work either. Um, I cannot think of anything. Yeah. 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 So let's move on to right. the next one. I'm, I'm, and, I mean, like I said, once upon a time, there was the MR2. Yeah. Right? There was the Fiat X19. But all those cheap kind of rear-engine or mid-engine cars are gone now. Long gone. Long gone, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time since. And, you know, I hear rumors that Toyota's actually looking at bringing back the MR2. I've heard rumors of other rear, you know, even Honda possibly bringing some sort of little sporty equivalent of the uh, NSX, like a replacement. But I haven't seen anything yet, so... All right. All right. Let's move on to the next one now. This is one of the hottest cars once again. Uh, dealer ADMs anywhere from five to fifteen to twenty thousand dollars on the Civic Type R. Uh, it just came out and it's become kind of the darling of a lot of YouTubers. A lot of YouTubers are buying this car, um, and for some reason, once again, the dealers. Well, we know the reason that they, they when they see a hot commodity. You know, they're like sharks, right? <laughs> yeah, they rub <laughs> they their hands together and say, money, money, money. <laughs> Although, you know, I, I think they're starting to regret some. Some of them are beginning to regret this because people do have memories and the Internet has a long memory on people being unscrupulous about upcharging. So the Honda Civic Type R, the modern one, is $44,000 base price. And I've seen them easily rolling at 60000 sometimes. And the generic equivalent or the budget-friendly equivalent of that, in my mind, would be the Hyundai Elantra N. I'm going to agree with you 100%. Uh, I actually, in some ways, I think it's almost better. It is a little bit more accommodating. It's easier to drive every day. It's a fantastic car. And recently, it was updated. And it's gettable, I think. I, I think so. Yeah. Um, the update, by the way, we just posted, if you go to altfl.com, uh, 
we're talking about the new uh, front and rear end design. Uh, really not much going on in terms of mechanical, but at least the new design I think is even better looking. It looks sharp. And it's got the Engren button. So you get you yeah. know, like a dozen more horsepower when you push that button. That's right, which is freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I won't even debate you there. That is that is absolutely the right choice for the equivalent. And uh, I think it might weigh a little tiny bit more than the Honda, and perhaps the Honda might be a little bit quicker. But all in all, in terms of just having a really satisfying sports car with front-wheel drive, manual transmission, the Hyundai Elantra N is an excellent choice. All right, next one, uh, the Lucid Air Grand Touring starts at about 138000 We know there's a cheaper one coming. We know they're working on the gravity. But right now, you know, the Lucid Air is a very expensive all-electric car. Uh, so what would be the uh, generic equivalent of that? Well, this is going back to, once again, Hyundai. And Hyundai's going to be on this list a lot for yeah, they, obvious reasons. They've been <laughs> killing it. Uh, the Hyundai Ioniq, Ioniq 6. Uh, $47,000. Now, bear in mind, there is no tax credit because currently it's being built overseas, but it is still, by comparison, much less expensive. And you have a lot of experience with this car. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting car. You know, it's got a bit of a Porsche front end compared. It looks a little bit like a Taycan. Uh, and, uh, you know, the thing that the Hyundai uh, is not known for, but this one does actually have, is incredible range. So if you get the rear-wheel drive, and, of course, the Lucid Ionic has the longest range of any electric car that you can buy right now. But if you get the uh, rear-wheel drive long range, it gets 360 miles of range. Now, the Lucid gets more still if, if you get the, you know, the right one. But nevertheless, you know, for $47,000, you are getting a four-door sedan, which is stylish, which is you know, beautifully contoured on the outside, beautifully finished on the inside. And you're paying $189,000 less. That is I'm correct. sorry, $89,000 less, sorry. $89,000 yeah. less. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to add to that because there will be another competitor that's coming out, well, probably in about another year and a half, and that would be the Volkswagen ID7. Yeah, which, tell me about that. You just went on that program. Why don't you give me a little yeah, bit about that? So uh, real quick, uh, no, maximum size battery is their 91 kilowatt hour battery which I think its net drops down to, it's like 87 kilowatt hours. You know? Sure, and it's almost all, and, and that's... That goes throughout almost every battery out there that, you know, there's a maximum, but really it's slightly less in terms of what you're using. Um, now, they do a WLPT range, which is basically European range, which is far more generous. But they're saying between low battery, 320 miles, all the way up to 450 miles. Now, here in the United States, the EPA is probably going to rate it much, much less, but they're still expecting well over 300 miles. So I think it'll be a direct competitor, and it looks similar to the Ionic 6. It's a streamlined design, long wheelbase, large interior, sloping design, uh, much better in terms of overall fitment than the ID4. This is a much more premium vehicle. Even though they look like they're related, they're, they're not really that related. So yeah, it's gonna be a direct competitor for the Ionic 6. And I'm willing to say that Volkswagen is smart enough to probably make it competitively priced as well. So that might be another alternative in that $47,000 zone. Did you, did you like it when you saw it? I liked a lot of it. Um, I, I began looking at it and thinking, oh, some of this stuff's going to be really expensive. I know it's going to be a $60,000 car if you add A, B, and C to it. Like right. there's two different levels of like massaging seats and stuff like that. I mean, I hope they're smart enough to keep the starting price in the fours. I or think, better yet, I think they are. Well, the one that they showed us had a uh, 210 kilowatt uh, motor rear drive. So there will be an all-wheel drive one as well. 
And I have a feeling, just like the Ionic, um, your maximum range is your rear drive, you know, one motor setup. And I, that should be your entry-level one as well. And I am hoping that it will be in the $40,000 zone. Cool. All right. Well, let's go to the next one. Um, this one is, uh, you know, just been redone. And once again, um, interestingly, you can still get it in a manual here in America, but no longer in a manual in Europe. Isn't that crazy? You would think it'd be the other way around. You think it'd be the other way around, but it's not. So uh, it's a Volkswagen Golf R. Starts at forty-six thousand. And what's the generic equivalent of that? Which I totally agree with, by the way. It's the Toyota GR Corolla at thirty-seven thousand dollars. The core trim. The, the core band. trim. Yeah. If you can find it. So, so yeah. Of course, that brings up the problem that that's another one like the Type R, where dealers are marking them up. They're unobtainium. So the next car on our list is, of course, Toyota GR Corolla, which right. starts at 37000 But is there a generic equivalent of that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Mazda 3 Turbo yeah. at $34,000, but it still has all-wheel drive. It is a little bit cheaper. And, uh, and it's gettable. Ar- it's gettable and arguably a nicer interior. And on top of all that, uh, not as much of a um, pariah for those who are looking at, you know, hey, you raised the price on me. Mazda's been pretty good about that, and I've heard very few complaints about Mazda dealers, the few that exist, uh, actually up-pricing people. So that's something good to keep in mind. Yeah, and I think, of course, it's not as quick, obviously, because the uh, GR Corolla puts out 300 horsepower. The Mazda doesn't quite get there. But nevertheless, if you're looking for something that you know is in the same kind of vein, right, a hot hatch, mm-hmm. uh, and that you can go buy right away, why not consider a Mazda? I think a lot of people just don't think of Mazda when they think of you know, a lot of automotive journalists do because we we tend to love the brand because it tends to connect with our spirit of driving fun. I've owned four Mazdas. Yeah, yeah I don't blame I mean, you. And, and Zach probably has a tattoo or a tramp stamp on him with the Mazda logo on it. The thing is, Mazda produces quality vehicles, well screwed together. They tend to be pretty economical and they're affordable. But most importantly, every single Mazda I've driven, even their little minivanish vehicle, were fun to drive. So I always give him my endorsement. And also keep in mind that the Mazda 3 Turbo, you can get it as a sedan or a hatchback. So you have that choice. Cool. All right, let's keep going now. This is one that, uh, uh, gosh, this is getting a lot of mixed reviews uh, because um, it's the first M car that BMW has introduced in a dozen years, I believe. Uh, mm. And it's, it's a crossover. It's the BMW XM which is this uh, hybrid, uh, 600-horsepower, you know, air-breathing. Monstrosity? Uh, I don't uh, like looking at it, wrong. I said air-breathing because of the big schnoz on the front of it. Yeah, I can't look at that. I I look at it, I fear for my children. (sighs) But anyway, it's basically a family mover if you're moving your family around the circuit of America's. (laughs) (laughs) If you have have to go to the the Nordschliff, then you're going to want this. (laughs) But there is a generic equivalent of that. What would that be? That is the Dodge Durango Hellcat, which, by the way, is the answer for everything. (laughs) Uh, I absolutely adore this vehicle. $93,000. Yes, it used to be a lot less expensive. It's more expensive now, but still gettable for under hundred grand. So you're going to be saving over $60,000, most likely, possibly more. And it is, in my mind, better than the BMW. For one thing, I don't have that little bit of uh, acid pop back up into my mouth when I look at it. And <laughs> it is it is a great handling vehicle, one that seems to have 
a fairly bulletproof setup. I mean, in terms of quality, does a decent job, and I love the interior. I think it's, and you can haul your family around. That's the whole point of it. So it is an equivalent, and I think it's a better idea. Yeah, and of course, they were going to make a limited amount, and then mm-hmm. Dodge came back and said, oh, we'll build some more. <laughs> you want them? Oh, we got them. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I know you guys, some of you out there are like, that's not fair, and you're right. And I would be really ticked off, too, but, you know, at least it's still back. For the remainder of this year, I, I'm pretty sure they're sold out by now, though. I think they might be. Yeah. Uh, and so is it, let's, let's put you on the spot again. Is yeah. there a generic equivalent of Dodge Durango Hellcat? Well, I would say probably something like the Ford... Um, Explorer ST? Yeah, I was going yeah. in there. I think that's less expensive. That's really quick. Yeah, yeah. That and, might be, that might, and it's not going to be 93. No, no. And no, that's no. gettable. Yeah, and it is gettable. I think it's closer to the 60s to get the fully laid, laid yeah. out one. And that would probably be my main choice or there. maybe uh, Tahoe RST? Yeah, the Tahoe RST is closer. Is it's like in the uh, 70s, isn't it? I mean, the one that we had. Yeah, it yeah, was. It was still pretty expensive. expensive. So I think that the Ford is equivalent in terms of size and... It's performance that's outstanding. But you are going to go down in horsepower. You're not going to get 700 horsepower. Yeah, yeah, you're not. But you're going to get still a vehicle that hooks up really well and moves well. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's keep going. This is is one that's been hugely popular now for, gosh, over two years, maybe three years. Uh, And once again... Uh, unobtainium because dealers are marking them up, and that's the Kia Telluride 52,000. Oh, no, I skipped. Sorry. I skipped. Yeah, one. I was wondering where you were going. With uh, this. We'll, we'll, we'll go back one. Let's flip. Yeah, let's go back. We'll go back one. So, um, actually, that's wrong. We got to go to the first one because otherwise it doesn't work. So, uh, yeah. the, the one that is um, now very popular and unobtainium to some extent is a Range Rover. And the one, I, I really screwed this up, dude. Sorry. Yeah. And, it's and the bad. one, and the generic equivalent would be the Kia Telluride. Okay. Um, Which yeah. makes sense, right? It makes sense. I'm not ex- I'm not 100% on the same page with this one because the Range Rover has more off-road capability than the Telluride. I took the Telluride off-road in Moab. Yeah. Yeah, and it did okay. It did okay, but I'm pretty sure that the Range Rover has a more sophisticated <sighs> suspension system and a more sophisticated off-road oh, oh, yeah, system. Yeah, of course. But but also it's it's nearly double the price. So uh, I was watching um, one of the last Top Gears uh, where with Chris Harris, you know, before they stopped production after yeah, the accident. The, whole, the accident, yeah. Uh, and they took a, a Range Rover off road on a pretty hairy course, uh, and they basically showed that the thing will do it. But I, I was watching that, and it was like maybe it's just me because there's this whole set of you know YouTube channels that love destroying stuff, mm-hmm. I can't watch stuff getting destroyed. Yeah, it's destroy porn or whatever they yeah, call it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I just love cars too much. And, and to see stuff, and basically, I mean, they took it into this really rough, like, off-road. I don't think UK has a lot of, like, regular off-roading, right? Everything is privately owned or, um, you know, there's not a lot of, like, land. Like, here in Colorado, like, we have... Oh, BM. they have plenty of land. It's called Scotland. Right, but you, I think you can't, like, go off and just go, you know... Oh, sure. Hang a left. Well, sure. let us know if you're from the UK. The you Highlanders can... love it when you go onto their property and <laughs> yes. drive off road. Yes. Anyway, um, they took this. It looked like it was in a pretty hardcore kind of off road park, kind of a rocky, uh, rock crawling course. And it did it, but dude, I bet you when they got out of it, there was $20,000 worth of damage to that car. Yeah. Well, th- and that's, that's really, I mean, just look at the wheels alone on any Rover product, even our beloved uh, Land Cruiser Defenders. As fantastic as they are, they put these wheels that you just do not want to off-road with. And then, yeah, sure, when you get back and you made it, 
you suddenly have wheels that are almost completely destroyed and curbed and chopped and everything else. So it's they build a vehicle that has the capacity to do serious off-roading or really good off-roading, but then they handicap it with having a body that's sitting too low or the wheels that are just too bloody massive on tires that are too thin and skinny. It just the whole thing. I agree, can be you know horrible. So you're saying that if you get this Kia Telluride, which is capable off-road, that's the same thing. It's very similar. So I took it off-road, but there's mm. no skid plates. Mm-mm. You know, the tires are on-road tires, right? Well, uh, the approach angle is not great. I thought that the Kia recently had an upgrade a version where they had beefier tires on it and a skid plate and a few other things and a slight lift. Uh, is that the t- is that uh-huh. t- is that the Telluride or was yeah. that the? Uh, it was a Telluride. Was it the Telluride? Yeah, they recently had a. I know the pilot has one, right? The Trail Sport. Tom yeah, is this is that. not. This is nowhere near the Trail Sport. I, the Trail Sport's I, comprehensive. This was just a slight uptick. I thought that that um, Kia was just doing like like. Like more off-roady tires. Anyway, yeah. here, here's a question I want to ask you, Nathan. Mm-hmm. If you build like a Range Rover and it has all this off-road capability, but if you actually use it in such a way that it will actually do serious damage to the vehicle, unless you, of course, swap out, you know, tires, wheels, right. is it really off-road worthy? And in my mind, it's The answer not. is yes if it's yours. And I get to drive it. <laughs> yeah, if it's somebody else's. Yes, Fair it's totally, absolutely off-road and capable. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, if I'm if I'm owner, you know, a proud owner of this vehicle, and I don't want, you know, my wife's like, please don't chop it up and, and bang it and whatever. Of course, I'm going to keep that in mind, and that goes with so many vehicles. Like, but the Lexus LX is the same thing. Yeah, the GX, same thing, right? Yeah, these yeah. Ca- these vehicles, you know, they're trucks underneath. They can go off-road, but if you're going to, you know, like like tear off the front end or you know, completely uh, curb a wheel to such extent that it becomes... Or damage the underside. Or damage the underside. Is it really off-road worthy? So that that's, that is the question, isn't it? So and, th- and it goes both ways, right? Yeah. So you, you brought this up. So there are off-road vehicles, off-road vehicles like the Range Rover, and I would actually argue that the Defender's like that too, right? It looks very off-road worthy, but because I think uh, Range Rover and Land Rover... By the way, do you see they're changing their name? What are they going to call themselves now? JLR. JLR? Yeah. Well, they've always called themselves JLR. No, it's been Jaguar Land Rover has been the official. Oh, so they just want to pair that they're, down. They're too. changing. Okay, whatever. Because yeah. they, had, they had these like, they had these like uh, families of vehicles, right? So like there was a Discovery was its own brand and Range Rover was its own brand kind of within the brand. And of course, Land Rover was its own brand. Mm. And, it, and it, when you think about it, it's kind of, kind of silly, right? Does anybody actually say, I own a Land Rover Range Rover? No, I get what you're you saying. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's so kind of, you're going to you say, I own a JLR. JLR Range Rover, or I own a JLR Land Rover <laughs> instead of Land Rover Land Rover. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like it. Don't like it. Right. What's well, better? It's better no, than it's not. It's not better. All right. Tradition. Tradition matters. Uh, <laughs> well, you so do... you want to say Land Rover Range Rover? You have to say it differently. Land Rover Range Rover. <laughs> of course you want to say that because you want to spell it out for everybody and write it on their face. I own a better vehicle than you do. I have money. All right, all right. So, the, the, so the Range Rover is off-road capable, mm. but if you take it off-road in its, uh, you know, factory trim, you're going to do some damage. And I guess you can get a Kia Telluride that is more off-roady, but you can have the same problem. <laughs> more, more, yeah, not more off-roady, I would say, but 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 I would say that it's it's a light equivalent. And uh, to be fair, I mean, right now the Kia Telluride is on. Fire. It is one of their best-selling you know, vehicles. You, you know what? I went on the program, and I just remembered where we took it off-road. Where? In Texas. Oh. Oh, the Telluride. Yeah, I went on the program. You're mm-hmm. right. You're absolutely right. 
Uh, which, about which part? About them making it more off-road worthy. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, more, yeah, it's yeah. A little bit more off-road. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what was it called? It's called. Uh, uh, there's a package in it. it, it uh, is X trim X line. X, X line. Yeah. X, it's, it's X, something X. Yeah. Yeah. There's exactly. an X in it yeah. somewhere. It's an X. Yeah. Well, X always means off-road nowadays, <laughs> um, uh, including our friends from Onyx on, uh, online. Yeah, yeah. X means off-road or all-wheel yeah. drive. So, um, so, so the problem is, of course, that the Kia Telluride is also an Optanium. So what is the generic equivalent of that? Yes, and this is an interesting one. The Mitsubishi Outlander. Yeah. Uh, the SEL Premium is $41,000. And yes, you can buy them. There's plenty out there. I, I drove by a dealership. Uh-huh. There are like 20 in the lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> there are a lot of them out there. Uh, our friend Moto Man, who likes to torture me about Mitsubishi, yeah. I was with him the other day, and he actually stopped in front of a dealership in Los Angeles and pointed to me and said, look. Yes, there were plenty there oh, as hold well. Hold on, hold on. Let's let's take a bit of a break here. Yeah. Uh, you've been on a lot of programs. So you did the yeah. Volkswagen, and you just came back from a Polaris program. That's right. I went out to Los so Angeles. So tell me about that. Uh, Polaris Slingshot. Uh, that's their three-wheeled uh, auto cycle. Uh, it is a two-passenger vehicle. We've, we've done many videos with these before. Some might say old man rental. It could be. It could be. It's There's a lot of – it's a, it's Some ridiculously might. fun. Mean. Some might. It is the most open-air vehicle you can get next to a motorcycle. I will say that. So, uh, even more than a Miata. So it looks like a three-wheeled Batmobile. Yeah. yeah you'll probably see them if you go to some place like Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're in the rental fleet. People oh, are sure. driving around in them. And it's got, uh, I think it's got a, it used to have a GM engine. And now they That's their, gone. They, it's actually a four-cylinder Polaris engine, a regular, not, not, a, not the ones they use in their uh, side-by-sides. A uh, four-cylinder, two-liter engine that puts out 203 horsepower, and you can either get it with a manual transmission, which is right out of a Mazda, which is beautiful, or they have an automated manual transmission, which they came out with a couple years ago, but they've been updating it over time. And I drove the modern version of that uh, all through Los Angeles and Southern California and whatnot. So is that a generic equivalent to a Corvette? <laughs> I would say sort of kind of here's my problem with it. And the reason why I won't put it on this list okay. is because in certain states, including California, yeah. you have to wear a helmet. So once you get to that point, it's no longer just jump in and go. You actually have to pull the damn helmet on and slap it in. And when that becomes an issue, it is no longer, in my mind, an equivalent to a car. However, here in Colorado, you do not need that helmet. You can just jump in it and drive it like a regular car. In Colorado, if you're looking for a lot of fun, Although the, the motor's in front of you, so that's not fair. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't work. So, the, so, so that, yeah, that takes it away from right. the Corvette. Good point. Yeah, so, but, so, so here's my thing about the helmet. Yeah. I, I mean, I get that like guys in the Harley world think that helmets are brain buckets, mm-hmm. right? They, yeah. they look at them as, as you know, cutting their fun and, you know, you know, impeding on their freedom, which is all good. If you want to go and not wear a helmet, I'm, I'm not. I, that is certainly your life to live. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. But I'll give you an example of, of something that did happen to me. Mm-hmm. When we first got the slingshot, this was like five years ago now we were at the old offices still and i think back then they still hadn't passed the rules you had to have a motorcycle endorsement to drive it yeah and they've changed that they've changed that in many states yeah so so i had one so i picked it up uh and i had my helmet on and i was going down down the diagonal and it has this little shorty windscreen yeah it's about this big yeah it's about what would you say six inches about that yeah so i'm going down uh the diagonal like 55 65 right and i had my helmet on and i had my visor down because it gets kind of windy and buffety right and there was a truck in front of me and all of a sudden this giant I'm not joking you, dude. This giant rock came flying off the truck and hit me in the visor, smashed the shit out of my 
sorry, I smashed the hell out of my visor. I apologize, guys. Uh, and uh, I thought to myself, I would have died if I hadn't had that helmet on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so so same. there is, you know, there is. You, you are you are living life a little bit more on the on the wild side without a helmet. Well, you are talking to me, but I, I actually no, I do believe in helmet laws uh, with motorcycles. I actually have a, a thing. Real quick, real quick, Grant. Yep. Uh, I believe yep. that if that all states should say no, you don't have to wear a helmet. However, if you do not want to wear a helmet, you must be an organ donor. That's because the amount of money it costs to scrape what's left of you and your brains off the sidewalk after you've crashed by not wearing a helmet, the organs that are in your body can be harvested and given to people who deserve it, who may have worn a helmet when they had the same accident. And I think that that's how it should work. So, no helmet? Fine. Sign off and say you're an organ donor. There. My rant's done. I'll tell you one other story, and this isn't a rant, but this is a true story, and I won't go into the graphic details because... I hope that well, I just swore, but I hope that kids listen to this, so I don't want to. I don't yeah, want to get too graphic. Yeah, you have a dirty mouth, you. But I was, you know, you know, I was a TV reporter in uh, Southern uh, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and we had these Aries K cars at the time with like yeah. Action News and CBS affiliate on it. And when the producer would call you, they wouldn't tell you what the story you were going on because what they didn't want is the other stations listening to it because you wanted to be there first. You right. right, you wanted to get the scoop, and so they would be like, Roman, uh, there's been uh, an incident on mile marker 93 on this highway. So mm-hmm. you didn't know. What you were getting into. Uh, so the one that like sticks out the most in my mind uh, was, once again, I get this kind of call, rural, you know, southern Wisconsin, mm-hmm. not a lot around but cows and corn, right? Uh, and I get there and the accident was a guy on, at that point, like Japanese sports bike were really popular. So this was yeah. like a hurricane, I think. I think it was a Honda hurricane, if mm-hmm. I remember right. Um, guy had been going down the straightaway and the police can actually tell how fast he was going by how long the skid mark is. And they estimated that he was doing like 120, maybe 130 miles and he hit a cow. Ooh. Yeah. Was the cow okay? No, there were like basically two halves of the cow. When oh, got there. there was okay. like one half on, and then I'm not even, you know, the guy obviously did yeah, not survive. Yeah, he, he didn't make it either. He did have a helmet, but. but that was all that's left. <laughs> well, I was trying not to go there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry, it's just it's too easy to say. But yeah, you hit a cow at 120 miles an hour. Well, no matter what, if you're going to hit a large cow at 120 miles it's an like hour, most of the vehicles that you're going to be in, you're going to be, yeah, you're in, you're in yeah, trouble. The motorcycle didn't. <laughs> we know a lot of people in Colorado have hit uh, wildlife, uh, including myself. Driving and in some cases, you know, a deer and whatnot can actually take a whole car out and wipe out the driver. So these things do happen, but that's a whole nother video. I've been probably told the story, but I'll tell it again. So I got called to another one. This is pretty funny. Uh, and there's this guy sitting, he, he was in a convertible. I think it was like a Sebring at that time, and he mm-hmm. was in a convertible. And he was sitting by the side of the road, and he was like, like completely like shaking, you know, like completely right. freaked out. And there were a bunch of firefighters, and they were like high fiving each other. And I was like, "What the hell happened?" To-? And uh, the police said, "Yeah, the guy was driving down the road. This was at night, so this was like you know dusk, right?" And a deer basically jumped into his convertible <laughs> <laughs> and onto his lap. <laughs> so, so he was okay. The deer wasn't okay. Oh, so the firefighters had like dinner. So they yeah. were like, "We got venison." Hell yeah, you bring that home. Yeah, and the guy was pretty like 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 pretty. Unnerved. He probably never uh, rented another convertible again. Yeah, that's pretty damn funny. Um, okay, let's let's go back to the list. Um, so the next one here, and by the way, the Mitsubishi Outlander, they do have a, a all-wheel drive version that has a full plug-in hybrid. We've tested it before. Tommy and I both agree it's a lot better than people think. Uh, the interiors are fantastic now. 
and the tech is pretty good. So they're worth looking at, that, and plus killer warranties. So Mitsubishi, when I went on the program, was brave enough to put us on a racetrack mm -hmm. to show how, just how well it handled, and then we took it off-road as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember your video. <laughs> yeah, it was it was muddy hell. It had just rained. It's too low to really off-road. Yeah, honest. yeah. I mean, it'll do it, but yeah, it's not happy doing it. I would love to see somebody actually extend it and actually try a little bit of a lift and real tires on one of those and see what that, because Mitsubishi, one thing, even the days, the dark days when they went to all CBTs and killed all their fun cars, they still managed to build and program very good all-wheel drive systems. So, so I think it would be a perfect car, because, right, we were driving the plug-in hybrid. Mm -hmm, yeah. And I want to say it's like 40 miles of period. It's got a pretty big battery. It's a pretty good-sized battery, yeah. Except for some reason, Mitsubishi decided to go with chat mode. Yeah, I know, I know. But but that's also because, you know, the it's Japanese. cheaper tech. Well, it's it's Nissan. And, yeah. and Nissan and Mitsubishi have a, right, an agreement. Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. But at the same time, you're only, at the most, firing in 50 kilowatts of power. It's really slow compared to what you can do with other cars. But then again, small battery, so. And, and the smallest rear seat in the automotive world as far as third row. I don't mean second row, Mitsu third row. Uh, sorry, the, the Mercedes-Benz GLE. Got rid of it. No, the GLE still has it, and it is tiny. The GLB. Is it the GLB that still has it? They got rid of it. And uh, this the GLE. Don't know about the GLE, but the GLB had it, which, which was tiny. Yeah. Uh, but in this generation, I think they got rid of it. But the, yeah, the Mitsubishi has the tiniest third row. It is row. very, very small. But if you have little tiny kids and you're willing to make some sacrifices, you can actually get. I, I think it sells cars, six. right? I think people go to the lot and they're like, hey, you know, I know it's tiny, but at some point we're going to have to take the tots to soccer. Yeah, exactly. Right? And we can throw them in the back. Well, that's why I bought a third row years ago. Yeah. And it worked. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. But then I, I had a Nissan Pathfinder, an older one, and it actually could hold small adults in the third row. All right, let's continue. Speaking of uh, Mercedes-Benz, uh, the Mercedes-Benz GLS or Audi Q7 or BMW X7, all around between... Uh, 66 all the way up to $82,000. And there is an equivalent out there, and I have something to add to that, too. Okay, so what's the equivalent? The Mazda CX-90 at $62,000. That's for the 3.3-liter Turbo S Premium, which is their top dog. However, you can get a still loaded or almost loaded CX-90 that still handles remarkably well and has very good performance for $40,000. So, so let's talk about the elephant in the room here, and that is if you want a Mercedes, are you really going to settle for a Mazda? Or if you want a Porsche, are you going to settle? And I'm doing air quotes if you're listening to this as a podcast. Are you really going to settle for a Corvette? That, I, think, I think yes. In some case, it depends on the person, obviously. Okay, yeah. So uh, I know one of the richest people I know, he is a billionaire, and he buys Genesis. Okay. He doesn't buy Mercedes, doesn't buy Lexus. He used to do Lexus, yep. and he went to Genesis, and he loves it. He lo he's got three, his wife, his daughter, and, and he, they all have a, a, a Genesis. And he is one of the most frugal people I know in terms of just going overboard. There's no reason that I need a Mercedes-Benz or a Maybach or anything like that when I can get pretty much the same thing out of a vehicle that costs so much less. And, you know, in many cases... People who are stingy tend to be the people who become billionaires. It, not in all cases, but, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. And he has a lot of friends of his who are like totally in that same boat where they don't need to show the world that they have the big diamond ring. They just want to be comfortable. Or they want sport and they want all this stuff without advertising it. And that's where this list comes in. And that's where a Corvette comes in. You know what I've noticed too, which is really weird uh, and I think true, like if you're, and I, and I kind of sense this, I, I love Spike's car radio and mm -hmm. listening to that a lot, oh, yeah, that's sure. another podcast. 
but those guys really seem to um, try very hard to get stuff for free. <laughs> right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think he's got a defender and he needed, he needed like a roof rack for it. And he was really working defender and land JLR, sorry. Oh. <laughs> he was working JLR to get that stuff for free. And I'm like, I think what happens, and you should know this better than me. I yeah. think what happens in California is it's so status driven, right? That the way that you display your status, uh, because you're already, everybody's super rich already, right? So it's like, like, like those guys are, you know, they've got many the, are. They've got a collection of that's worth tens of millions, I think, in mm -hmm. Porsches, right? So okay. these are these are not people that are going to run out of money in their lifetime, right? So you can't really like, like, you know, like peacock with your car because the guy next to you has a nicer one or the same one, right? So the way that you show that you're more statusy, mm -hmm. if I could say it that way, or if high, higher status is by getting stuff for free because it shows off that you have more like juice. Yeah, yeah, capital. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so to them, getting this stuff for free becomes like a way of, of competing and of showing off their status. Ooh. In, in, in the, does, that, does that sound right or am I, am I you, way off do base? Do you think, do you think if I'm really nice to Hyundai, they'll give me a roof rack and a, an actual trailer wiring harness no but I'll, day, I'll, i'm rich no i'm not um, i'll give you something hmm. i'll give you something you yeah. know we just turned in our long-term hyundai yeah uh santa cruz can i take pieces off it i took a piece off of it what'd you take i'm gonna give it to you oh i gave you something yeah oh yeah see look how that works so, uh, so you're but going back into so, accessories so, so, is basically what you're saying so you know what you're getting and it's waiting out there for you it's i've taken it out of the car is it a v8 no, it's not. It's, 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 really it's, it's, it's the TFL equivalent of getting a Rolex for free. It's, it's the WeatherTech uh, um, floor mats. Oh, that would actually be really good. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I have, I have uh, dogs, you know, a lot. Right. So I could really use that. That's so, cool. So, so they're out there. They're yours. They're waiting uh, for you. Oh, Nathan's happy. So the rest so, of this so, podcast so, will so be happy. That's your, that's your way of peacocking, of so, showing status. Yes. No, no, no. Look at my floor mats. <laughs> Look at my WeatherTech These are WeatherTech. Made in the USA, laser cut, and they are in my my car. Laser cut to d dimensions mm. that are specifically tailored to that vehicle. NASA can't do better. No, they can't. Right. <laughs> uh, let's go back real quick okay. to the Mazda CX-90, yeah. though, and why I do think it is a fine equivalent of these vehicles. One of the things that you'll find if you take a Mazda, the CX-90 specifically, which, by the way, you know, totally different architecture than the CX-9, completely different vehicle, and I think it looks gorgeous. If you go on a back road, even in the base model CX-90, and you take any of these vehicles we just mentioned and go on the same back road, I wager that the CX-90 will either keep up and or pass these vehicles in terms of performance and a rewarding drive. It is an excellent vehicle. And I think it would be a very good substitute for these, provided that you're willing to get rid of the bling. And that's, at the end of the day, that Mercedes Crest is worth the, you know, and, and I have nothing, believe me, I love Mercedes, but you know, you are paying for the crest, right? I mean, you're going to be the first at the, um, whatchamacallit, when they, you drop off your vehicle at the hotel, it's going to be in the front. I think there's I think there's a lot to be said for, like, showing up. Let's say you show up to a fancy restaurant, and there's a guy or a gal there with a GLS, mm -hmm. and you show up with your Mazda, yeah. right? Knowing that, that, that you saved $20,000, right? Yeah. And I think, I think there's a certain set of the population that also respects that, right? Yeah, exactly. They, they see that, okay, this guy, you know... He can, he can afford the Mercedes, but... And his ego isn't so massive that he needs to perpetuate it with, you know, a brand or whatever. Or, you know, it's not a, a peen Be contest. Because, because here's one thing we do know, Nathan. And this is... It didn't used to be this way, but it's coming back. And I'm glad it's coming back. And that is cars depreciate <laughs> like crazy, right? <laughs> Some, not as much as others. So if you're starting at, let's say, 80000 
you're going to lose a lot less money if you're starting at 40000 Of course, you know, recently what's happened is a lot of people started speculating about, um, you know, like like classic Ferraris, and, 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 and it's become kind of the market gods. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about, like, you know, SUVs that you buy and you drive. That are built in the thousands and hundreds. Right, thousands. exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, but there is one more thing. Yeah. I'll show you. Uh, for those of you who are listening, what I'm doing is I'm lifting up my key fob. It says Hyundai on it. It's got an H. Yep. It's a Hyundai key fob. Now, if I put that on the bar uh, or in a jar or whatever, and then somebody else comes along with a Mercedes key fob and puts it in there. Are you wife swapping? Is that what you're doing? Okay, so you beat me to it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, the, the point is... Is that still is a thing? That, Do people still do that? That, that seems like so gross oh, to me. Oh, you're acting like it's such a taboo thing. Come on. No, dude. I was, uh, I, I was, I was watching uh, Endeavor. You know Endeavor? Uh, so Morse, right? It's it's Morse is the is the uh, oh yeah 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 is is a mystery on PBS yeah 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 and then they went back in time and his first name is Endeavor yes so they called it Endeavor and there's an episode where where basically it revolves around these people wife swapping <laughs> like in the 60s yeah and I and I and I thought to myself that is just the grossest thing I could think of I mean. I guess to some people that may seem like sexy and like hip and cool, but to me it just seems like, uh, how do you drive home <laughs> after that with your wife? Can you like for the rest of us? <laughs> if you compare notes, I mean, what, what, you know, we've mean, gone from talking about cars and swapping cars to swapping but lives. You see what I'm saying? Welcome just, to CFL just, out the dark. It just seems like so like. Awkward. I know. I, I, I agree. Well, it depends on your marriage, I suppose. I mean, I mean in this in the '60s, they were like swingers, right? They yeah, had those mini dresses. But and, yeah, but it's not like all of them were like that. They were a lot of them who weren't. Now, I, I think, and by the way, yes, it does still exist. And, and then on, I'll add on top of that that if you are as fortunate as Roman and I are to have lovely wives and everything is peachy keen, then you don't have to worry about this whole wife swapping craziness. And the reason craziness. I brought it up is I didn't make this clear is the way it worked in this episode, I think, is you take your car key and you put it in a bowl. Yeah, it's, it's so And story. the car key becomes like the, the, the equivalent of your wife until you take someone else's car. And then you, you take, take someone else's, else's wife, wife. right. Yeah, exactly. Which is why you want, in that case, the Mercedes, because then you have the top wife. Or husband. Top so husband, so or you're, saying the, you're saying the Mazda key in that in that. In yeah, that's that the one. That's the one case where it'd be like, uh, you know, I might want to get the nice German one as opposed to the less expensive, you know, bargain I, 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 one. I bought. I bought this. I bought. The, <laughs> I just. It, this has gone way off the rails. Okay, so let's get. Uh, so anyway, I, let I'll, me, I'll let me put a pin in it. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Mazda is a very good vehicle, and if you do own it and your wife swap. We want you to write to Roman and let him know all about it. But how about uh, one more <laughs> thing? Maybe you could have like a stunt key. <laughs> yeah, like a fake one. Yeah, like a fake, fake Ferrari fake key. Bob. Oh, oh my, that'd be great. You know what? I'm sure someone out there has done that. You show up in a Fiesta and then you have like a, a fake Jaguar key or something. Yes, it's my Jag. It's small, but it's a Jag. Trust me. Or a Rolls Royce key. Just, wow. Wait, okay. So let's let's continue because this next one's very interesting. The, I have the, I have a, 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 a remark about this. The, the Nissan Z uh, starts at forty two thousand. Kind of hard to get right now. So this is the one where actually I think uh, you were on. On, on message when we started this. So yeah. what would be a equivalent of that? So the Ford Mustang, yep. but the one with the EcoBoost, yep. uh, Fastback, the premium is, is at 38K. And I think you can, yeah, you start at about $33,000 for one of those. And I absolutely love driving the EcoBoost Mustang. Lots of power, 300 horsepower plus. Very quick car, quicker than you might think. Doesn't sound like a Mustang, but it's an awful lot of fun. And then... For still, under the Nissan Z price, you can still get a GT, which is proper horsepower and a lot of fun. However, something important to mention. 
I was just in Los Angeles. I've been in New York. I've been in a whole bunch of places over the past two months, and I haven't seen a single Nissan Z on the road. Yeah, they're they're hard to see. By the way, I just had a thought. Um, oh no, we're not wife swapping. We'll go back to this. Yeah, okay. yeah, just for a second. Right. So you know, this Ferrari keep. There's a problem with that, right? Mm. That means you don't want. It means you want to get rid of your wife, right? Because because it's not the way I was thinking about it. Like you know, like somebody else's. Right, it's right. Your right. wife that you're actually substituting for the Ferrari key. So maybe you'd be better off to have like an old. It depends, right? Yeah. And I, can I please say or husband or husband for, for those? Yeah, if you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. Either way. Yeah. But wow. you see, that's the problem. Then you might want to have like a ratty old. Like if you don't, if you really love. All right, I'm enough today. Yeah, uh, you're really going. Yeah. This all right, so Mustang instead of the Z, and there are none around. It's weird. You're right. I don't know if they're not building them or if they're... I haven't seen this. I've seen a couple on dealership lots. Yeah. Like just sitting in, in the glass, and of course they're going to you know launch the price to the roof. But I haven't seen a single one on the road, so I'm curious about that. And uh, later on, we'll talk to uh, Big Man Zach and see what the uh, production numbers are if they've been even listed yet on the Z. I'm curious uh, because I just it might want... be might, might be like the Hummer. Uh, EV where they're just not building them. Yeah, it's possible, but there's demand. I, a lot of uh, Nissan fans. I are mean, looking I for mean, them. I've seen Corvettes on the road, right? Mm-hmm. I see those very regularly. Yeah, yeah, no, and even I've, here in Colorado. And actually, I've actually seen a lot of Arias now, mm-hmm. which is the Nissan electric car. Yeah, I've actually even seen the uh, Toyota BZ4X. Yeah, I've seen right. A that's few. also, but I have not seen a Z. Right. I haven't seen a single one. And I've, once again, you and I have both been all over the country, and I don't think I've seen a single one on the road. And okay. I would notice it. Yeah, so would I. Oh, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I'm actually looking actively for yeah. it because I love the way it looks. Um, Next. Let's talk about something else. Uh, the Lexus LX600 at $92,000, and that's just starting. You can easily crank past hundred grand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the substitute, the generic equivalent of that would be the Chevy Tahoe High Country diesel at $78,000. It's interesting that it chose the diesel because you can actually go much, much less on a Tahoe with their uh, gas engines. Yeah, but um, the diesel's kind of cool. It is. No, no, I'm not disagreeing. And it's still a lot less expensive than the Lexus. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind. Lexus, uh, they're known to be bulletproof, and also they're known to have very good resale value. The LX600 is a very new fish replacing a very old fish, so to speak. Um, you, you've driven one. Yeah, it's got the uh, twin-turbo V6 in it. Uh, which replaces the V8, uh, and it's rather thirsty. It's mm. out of the tundra. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's why we chose the diesel, because that is oh, very can, frugal. Yeah, you can four or 500 miles to a tank without a problem, despite all the extra luxury stuff you put in there. So, so not only will you spend less on the car, but you'll spend less filling it up. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and there's nothing quite like having just tons and tons of range. So I think that's a very good choice. And, yeah, there are plenty of other uh, SUVs that, you know, you could put up against it. But the thing about the Tahoe is it's the least expensive amongst all the GM vehicles in that class. All right. Uh, I'm going to say this next one because it's hard to pronounce. But yes, it's, please. But it's definitely the biggest stretch that we've got here. In other words, this is the least expensive equivalent of the most expensive car on the list. Uh, almost. Yeah, I think it is the most expensive. Uh, so it's the uh, new, brand new Ferrari Puro Sangue, which means... Uh, uh, Puro Sausage. One no, sausage. No, purebred. It means purebred. Oh, purebred. Puro Sangue. I hope I'm saying that right. Puro Sangue. Yeah, and what is the uh, generic equivalent? I can't say this. Why not? I can't say this, Roman. You don't believe it? No. Yeah, it is. It's no, exactly it, the same. It, it's, 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 okay, it's got four doors. Yes. Right? It's basically... because the, the, Let's talk about the Puro Sangue. So Ferrari uh, swore up and down that they wouldn't build an SUV. Yes, and they did. And they didn't. What, what, according to Ferrari, what they did was Come they on. built a tall four-seater 
uh, uh, fastback sedan. <laughs> it's not, that, that's what Ferrari says. Yes, that's like the Germans calling a Ford or a coupe, a coupe. No, 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 no. It's really a coupe, even though it has four doors. It's, 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 I'm just it's, telling you what Ferrari says. Ferrari will you, swear you, up and down. And if we ever got a Ferrari, which we don't, they they would they would ban us and blacklist us by ever even suggesting that the Pro Sangway is an SUV. Uh, so so what is a what is a four door uh, tallish uh, fastback sedan that would be very similar to the person. Tall, it, it, okay. well, it, for Ferrari. When I say tall, okay. Okay, for it's, Ferrari, tall. For Ferrari, yeah. right? So, okay, fair so, enough. Fair enough. It's it, instead of being, you know, like instead of having to have to actually lift the front end to go over a bump, which I think it still has, by the way. I think the Persangway does come with the lift, so it's. Yeah, I think you can get it a little bit higher off the ground <laughs> with that little front end lift, which of course doesn't happen with uh, other crossovers. Yes, it does. Um, anyway, yeah. So, okay. so the Kia Stinger uh, GT2 at fifty-two thousand dollars, and they've got the final edition out there right now so you could get yourself uh, a Kia Stinger which is a grand and beautiful and fast V6 twin turbo for $52,000 as much as I love the Kia Stinger um, you don't think you're just a brand snob Nathan you know what I, I mean you take know the, what I'd... take the take the like the brand, take the uh, stickers you know take the logos off the cars and you know, no, the the Ferrari actually is a really good looking car too. By the way, the, it is a good looking car. It's yeah, very wide. The Pro Sausage. Um, so the thing it, about that, it looks like another car. What's the car it looks like? There's another car out there that it, I can't think of it right now. Mm, um, actually, it kind of reminds me a little tiny bit of the Chevrolet Equinox uh, that's coming out with the electric one. Uh-huh. In terms of the the way they bulged the fenders and made it very very uh, Coke bottle sexy. Yeah. I know that sounds bizarre, and I'm not going to say that's an equivalent because I'm not crazy. Uh, but I got to jump in one more thing. Okay. Sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, this is—I I always forget this, and so I have to say this. I want to thank you to our patreons. Yes, uh, we recently got a new one. I, I want to thank him personally. Let me. Okay. See. Well, while you do that, yeah. I'm going to say what my equivalent would be. But okay. I don't. I think it's a little bit less than the Ferrari, and we've driven it before. Okay. And that's the Lamborghini Urus, and. The thing about the Urus is that it is extremely fast. They say it is a crossover SUV type thing. And I've taken it into some pretty deep snow. It was fabulous. It's it, Yes, I know it's based on an Audi platform and all that, but, but it's an awful lot of fun. And it is less money than the uh, Poro Sausage. So... Uh, so, Adam, thank you for becoming a Patreon. Thank you, Adam. Uh, if you want to join and help support this podcast, uh, all you need to do is head on over to patreon.com slash TFL uh, car, and you can become a subscriber, and we really are grateful. Uh, when you do become a subscriber, we answer your questions, mm-hmm. or we try to answer them. Uh, two other things, just while I'm doing this. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a Corvette behind us, and a lot of people in the TFL Talk YouTube channel are saying, why don't you put up videos or pictures of the cars that you're talking about? Uh, and the p- reason we don't do that is because this is our podcast, so the people who are listening to it wouldn't see it. But yeah. the real reason is we're barely, you know, getting this list right. If we had to, if yeah. me and Nathan actually had to had to start putting pictures up, it would be quite the uh, train wreck. Well, l- let's be honest with this. Okay, I'm going to cut right into it real quick. Yeah. We have eight video channels. Eight. We have four <laughs> websites. And that's not counting all the other stuff we're doing. And then two and a half podcasts. Two and a half podcasts because we have a classic car podcast that's different than this podcast. Yeah, so, so Tommy and Brendan also do a, kind of a special show, a special episode on Wednesdays where they take over this podcast and talk about classic cars. Right. And then Andre, of course, and you do the, the truck, uh, truck podcast. So, so it, it's like one bridge too far. So when we do these podcasts, the good thing about them is that there's very little editing that's needed, meaning that we're taking one of our people who's editing other big videos 
uh, away from that to edit this and put pictures up. So rather than do that, we're doing it this way. And who knows in the future we may have better tech where we'll be able to flash more pictures well, behind well, I mean, us. I mean, we could potentially stack them up uh, on the computer and, mm -hmm. and you'd have to or I would have to click, go through. Click through click. them. But I, I promise you it would be a train wreck. Oh, we'd screw it up. Yeah. I, look, I, but th then we'd need more editing to fix it. That's, and we've tried this stuff before, and that's the problem is that suddenly we go, oh, my God, we screwed up this video. Please, editor, come in and fix it. That means we've just pulled them off something else that is a higher volume video. So just keep that in mind. So I completely disagree about the Urus because it's a, it's a traditional SUV, right? It competes with, like, the Bentega yeah. uh, or the Cayenne. But the Parasang Parasangue, Parasangue is not an SUV. Ugh. Uh, seriously, it's not though. Look at it. It's a, it's really it's kind of a fastback. It's got four seats. It's not tall. It doesn't even have any aspirations for going off road because it barely has any ground clearance. Like I said, they made basically a more taller version of the old Ferrari FF. Mm, okay. All right. So that's why we didn't pick the Urus. But the Kia Stingers, uh, there's yeah. Um, okay. You don't like the Stinger? I it? love the Stinger. I just can't see going up against a Ferrari as an equivalent. There's. Okay. Okay. You go to the store mm -hmm. and you buy some bear aspirin. Okay. Right? Which is like what I think bear invented aspirin. It comes out of the bark of a tree. Do you know that? It comes from bark of a tree aspirin. It's and moss. I think it's bark, tree bark. And moss. Okay. <laughs> we'll let you guys figure that out. Uh, so they invented it and you go and buy some bear aspirin and like, you know, a bottle of 50 bear aspirins is going to cost you like, I don't know, seven bucks, mm -hmm. eight bucks, nine bucks, right? Yeah. And you get the Walgreens or whoever you use equivalent, it's like two bucks, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's just a lot cheaper for the same thing. And that's, that's the point here. It's basically the same thing for just a lot less. Uh, I have a feeling there's a disparity with performance numbers. Well, for sure. I mean, it's only 360 horsepower versus the Ferraris, whatever it is. It's a zillion. It's a, it's a, it, what's a, well, you're getting only half the cylinders because the Ferrari is a... But even if you did have all the cylinders... It's a 12-cylinder. You know, yes, but even there's plenty of uh, V6s out there that would perform as well as V12s or, you know, whatever. But th that's not the point. It's, I, I, I like this Stinger quite a bit, and I really wish that it maintained its production. But at the same time, I just cannot see right, this. I'm going to skip over one for a second, then we'll get, yeah. go right back to it because we talked about it now. Yes. So, so the Lamborghini Urus. Which is almost $235,000-ish, which is nearly half the price of the Ferrari uh, Poro Sausage. And, and, and these, actually, the three that you could get for a lot less are actually exactly the generic equivalent because they're based on the Volkswagen Group uh, chassis that is shared with the Urus. So what are the yeah, three so cars? Yeah, so that's the Audi RS Q8, yep. Porsche Cayenne Turbo GT, yep. both of which are in the $120,000 zone between, I think, $125,000 and $135,000. Far less expensive than the Urus. And you, with the RS Q8, you're essentially there with the same type of performance with a much less gaudy package. However, I need to throw this in there because I have driven the Lamborghini and the Lamborghini makes people smile both inside and out because it has a very unique body, more importantly, a more unique interior, and it really feels like a fun vehicle. Whereas in the Audi is not quite as much fun. It's much more buttoned down. That makes total sense. How about the Porsche Cayenne Turbo GT? The Porsche Cayenne Turbo GT is... Same horsepower, it's going to go as quickly. It's kind of, it's almost generic to me. I'm sorry. I've seen one on the road. It seems like I've seen a hundred on the road. And when we say generic, we don't we don't mean to, uh, Tommy said no one's going to get this when you say the word generic. So uh, no, Zach, Tommy's young and doesn't. Zach get went in and said budget friendly. I think he said budget friendly, but I like generic. I think it, I think it, it yeah. expresses. Oh, he said budget friendly equivalents. Yeah. Okay. So it just looks like a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of vehicles on the road that look like it, don't they? And including a lot of Porsches that are out there. It's their one of their best selling vehicles, and. 
So for me, uh, the Audi RS Q8 looks a little bit more jazzy and a little bit more fun. And, of course, uh, the Lamborghini looks a lot more fun. All right. Uh, Rolls-Royce Cullinan, 350 to 400000 from the factory. Yeah. That is not a that that is a that is a car that was not hit with the beauty sticker. It it, it, it ain't pretty. Um, and I'm sorry if you're a Rolls Royce fan out there and you're like, hey, that's tradition. No, there's no tradition and, whatsoever. And, and we know that it shares a lot of components, which they hate when I say it. Uh, I think the, they're I think they're mad at me. You know, we we there was a there was a Cullen in here in the fleet, and they never gave it to us. I don't think they like us. I think we're not. No, they thumbed uh, they thumbed their nose at us. I think they may not. I think Rolls Royce. Uh, let, call me. I, I don't know if we did anything to offend you. Maybe this is going to offend you, but because you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna peel back the curtain and pick a car that's basically based on the same chassis in some ways. Mm. Because as you all know out there, because you're all smart, BMW owns Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. So the the equivalent of that, and that, notice I didn't say generic, so I wouldn't that wouldn't get on the wrong side of Rolls Royce. Any car that's sold in the United States that is British is actually owned by a German company. Sorry, but it's true. Mini. Owned by BMW. Right. Uh, Jaguar is... Oh, that, well, Jaguar, yeah, Jaguar. Jaguar. JLR. But that's, They're owned that's by Tata. India. Yeah, which is an Indian company. Yeah. By the way, I, I actually really like Tata. There's, they do Bentley, some crazy owned, cool stuff. Owned by Volkswagen. Yeah, Volkswagen. So a majority of the British cars sold in the United States MG? are well, Chinese, but we don't, they don't sell it here. They, yeah, and then I, I guess some people might say um, Morgan, but Morgan is so small, they, they, they don't really register on our radar. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right, so... Um, Alpina XB7, the BMW X7, 150 half the price, and you're getting the you know the the Alpina version of the X7, which is which, stupid fast, which and, is stupid and it's fast, got a, a extra garnish and, on it, you know, caressed to to be more everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's Rolls Royce. Some of their other vehicles I find interesting, but the the, the Cullinan is, and I'm sure it's going to be their bestseller because I, it's an SUV. I think I think the problem with Rolls and us is I think they think we, we, we're like an everyman show and we don't have the Rolls Royce audience. Do you think that's true? Do you think that no, there are people but, who, no, who listen to this who don't, who have Rolls Royces? Hey, if you, if you own a Rolls Royce or a Ferrari or a Bentley or many Bentleys and Ferraris or even uh, Bugatti, McLaren, McLaren yeah. Porsche, hey, l- leave us a comment below because we'd love to see if actually you guys are listening to this podcast or if, you know, the luxury brands feel like we're too dumb market for them. Yeah, um, and we do cross shop a lot of vehicles that do slot just underneath some of these other vehicles, but there have been times you've driven a few Bentleys, I've driven a few Bentleys. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's other car companies out there that do see the, um, you know, the fact that we can be relevant. Um, so anyway, let's let's move on. Land um, Rover Defender, hundred sixteen thousand. Yeah, for the one ten with the V eight. So what's I a, love that car. What's a, what's the equivalent? The Jeep Grand Cherokee four by E. And I argue with you along this. This is actually a very good comparison because very capable off road, very luxurious. I mean, fantastic interior. Summit Reserve, yeah. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, no V eight option. But you do get, I mean, the 4xE is much more efficient. You can plug it in and drive 20 plus, 30 miles even. I think it's 25 miles on, with the, uh, the, uh, the Grand Cherokee. And um, on all electricity, if you want. So it's a much more efficient vehicle. It's a much less expensive vehicle. And I would say off-road, they are neck and neck in terms of capability. Uh, especially if you decided to go, there's the uh, Trailhawk version, yeah. which I would get. And that is more capable off-road, frankly. So seventy-eight thousand for the four by E Summit Reserve. Yeah, which is basically their their yeah. absolute top. You, you don't get the V eight option, but you know, you, you get some really good power. Yeah, and you get, so you get far the power the, of the four by E platform has proven to be relatively reliable. I haven't heard a whole lot of complaints, which is you know, hey, good for Stellantis. Uh, but on the other side, 
<clears throat> and this goes back to the keys, the wife swapping, everything else we talked about. Uh, the Land Rover Defender, I just love looking at it, especially ones that are done upright. They're just fantastic to it, look it, at. It is a gorgeous car. It's a theme-based vehicle. You, you, got, you got to give it to Jerry McGovern, the, the, the chief style. Extraordinary chief design. Head, head designer, he just knocked out of the ballpark. Yeah. with the uh, with the and actually the new uh, uh, Range Rover as well. Yeah, I, just, I like this better. Okay, they're both just you but know, they're both really yeah. pleasing to the eye. Yeah. Uh, this one though, really they're almost it, they're almost like art. Yeah, well, with with the Land Rover, and I'll quickly say this: it's just you jump in it and you immediately kind of feel a little different. Um, and it's parked in your driveway, and it is definitely a source of pride. And even if people are Land Rover haters going, there's no solid axle, you suck, fine. But at the same time, on the streets where you're mostly going to drive it, it drives great. But at the end of the day, the Jeep is a fine replacement for it for a half the price almost. Yeah, and I think um, the Jeep is also a very handsome vehicle. Yeah, it's, it's a good Grand looking. Wagon. It's a good looking. I, it's sure funny. I, I like the same the, thing about the Grand Wagon. Here. Yeah, it's, well, it's funny because the Grand Cherokee, yeah. just the regular one, yeah. though, not the L. Yeah. The Grand Cherokee, I think, is fine. Then all the other ones that they've come out with that look like the Grand Cherokee, I'm just like, no, dude, guys, you got to make them look different, and they didn't, and I think that's a mistake. So, so let's keep going. Yes, and this one I agree with as well. Ford Bronco, there's an obvious choice. What would mm -hmm. that be? Well, it's the Ford Bronco Sports Badlands. No, seriously. Yeah, no, we're being serious about this. Yeah. I know, like, well, you know, once again, axles and oh, capability off road. Yes, we know. Uh, first of all, the Bronco Sports Badlands is one of the most capable crossovers you can buy for off-roading. Really, there's only a couple that can kind of keep up with it. It's fantastic if you get the right one. And if you think about regular human beings out there that do not go off-roading all the time, an awful lot of them are going to be taking something like this on some challenging trails, and they're going to have a great time, and they'll have an economical vehicle doing it. Whereas in with the Ford Bronco, not as, not as efficient at all. And not exactly what I would call the best daily driver. So let me put some numbers to that. Yeah. I want to say the Ford Bronco is like in the high teens, maybe like what, 17. Oh, you mean yeah, gas yeah. mileage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, 17 something. We just, we have a Bronco Sport uh, that uh, Ford lent us for a week. Uh, and I just did a, uh, a video review of it. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the Heritage Edition, which is, which, which is the Badlands yeah. that's like really cool. It, it's this bright yellow. And, and it's it got gets, the white stuff all over. It's got the white roof and uh -huh. the white fascia, on the, you know, and the red lettering. And the fake steely wheels. And which, the fake steely which wheels. Are, but they're really cool looking, though. Yeah, we just saw it at the auto show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 23 MPG. Yeah. Combined, yeah. yeah. Still, probably 5 to 8 MPG better than the Bronco. That's right. And it doesn't require as much power to move it around. And we've got uh, the one with the bigger engine. Yes, yes. And there's, there's two different. But even the base model with the very simple all-wheel drive system still does really well in the rough. So um, a lot of people out there are like, well, yeah, but I want the image of driving a Bronco. Well, guess what? Not only is the baby Bronco, as I like to call it, uh, but the Bronco Sport, very capable. Its dimensions are very similar to the dimensions of the original Bronco from the late 60s. Think about that. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, good point. All right, let's keep going. Uh, the next one actually isn't probably a great poster child for this because it's a Polestar 2 at 60000 and the car that shares the same chassis would be the Volvo S60 Recharge, which is sixty-two thousand. Yeah, I'm so, kind of so curious. That 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 one didn't. I think when me and Zach were brainstorming these, we didn't know the prices on the uh, on the on the Recharge, and apparently they're about the same. Yeah, but then you could drop down to an S40 Recharge, which is a little less expensive, and it's still very capable in terms of being a proper little daily driver electric vehicle. We had one. We drove it quite a bit. It was really good, with one exception. There's no start button. What the hell? I hate that. There's no power on button. You just get like in and it goes. It's like a Tesla. So people, I love it. I, I can't stand it. 
In the Tesla, I love that you just get in and put it in drive and go. I want to be able to manually shut off the power, turn on the power. I hate that otherwise. Okay. Uh, Speaking of Tesla, actually, this is another one. So uh, the expensive one, of course, is the Porsche Taycan Turbo S at one hundred ninety-seven thousand. Yes. So what's the generic equivalent? Nathan? The Tesla Model S Plaid at one hundred seven five. Um, so Ford right off the bat, electric. For uh, insanely fast, I would say that the Model S Plaid is faster. Actually. Is faster in a straight line, but uh, the tor- the Taycan Turbo will absolutely kill it in corners. Yes, yeah. it yeah. will. Well, there's, there's, there's no debate. It'll it kill does. it like dynamically, right? Yeah. Braking, road handling, and feel, and interior quality, interior layout. But at the end of the day, it's ninety thousand dollars cheaper. Exactly, uh, and the and the Model S is a proven quantity uh, Tesla. They've proven to be, you know, they've been building them for the longest. And and the Tesla will kill it in terms of charging infrastructure. Mm-hmm. In the infrastructure, with the, yes. With the supercharger in terms of uh, technology because it's better. It really is better. They're like one generation ahead. Mm-hmm. Over-the-air update. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could just go on. I'm pretty sure that you well, Okay. But the bottom line is that the this is a pretty close contest between those two cars. And you are saving a ton of money with the uh, Tesla Model S Plaid. I would love to drag race them. That would be a lot of fun. So, you know, I was looking at Taycans uh, uh, in terms of, you know, because the problem with the Taycan is it only has officially like 200-plus miles of range. So, you know, if you go... That's at, its biggest issue. Yeah. But but the trade-off is it's it's a little lighter on its feet. So it does have 800-volt architecture versus a Tesla 400-volt. Mm. Uh, but I was thinking because of the range limitations... Uh, prices would go down, and I, I did a search, um, you know, online um, using our, our hopefully our new. We're trying to get Auto Tempest as our new uh, sponsor, so I, I, I used Auto Tempest. This is, they're not our sponsor right now, but I did want to use it to see how it worked, and you know, see if I could drill down to getting Porsche Taycan. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, there's a lot of them out there. I mean, there's like there was like 20 pages of them used ones. But they were still the cheapest one I could find was like eighty thousand dollars, and that was for a two wheel drive. Yeah, and they started like ninety thousand. So they, they, you know, these are two or th- two year old Taycans that haven't really fallen in price. So there's so Porsche does a really good job of like maintaining that ideal Rolex equivalent between supply and demand, where it just keeps prices high. Yeah, right, that or the I, dealers are asking. No, no, no. I would agree with you on that though. And then if you add to that some of their other vehicles and the way they've produced them, and also the fact that uh, we could take that uh, Tesla Model S. Uh, sorry, the, the the Porsche Taycan uh, Turbo S, and then you look at something like an Audi um, and their e-tron GT. The Audi's better looking, and it's I think less expensive, and it's pretty awesome. I should I should do a search for yeah yeah GTs. I, I would be curious. Yeah. I absolutely love just looking at it. Uh, let's go next. We're we're getting a little long on the tooth on time here. Uh, Cadillac Lyric at fifty eight thousand five hundred dollars if you can get one, but the, you, the problem is you can't. People you have ordered them and they're not I, building. I them for saw somewhere. one on the road. Finally, in yeah, and it wow. was it was a uh, what you call it, an Uber type thing. No, not an Uber, but it was like a, a higher end uh, livery. Um, you can get the tax credit, which is good news, but you can't find them. That's the bad news. But you could buy a Kia EV6 for fifty four thousand dollars, which you can get with no tax credit though. Right. But you can get one of those. Or if you likely. lease them, you can get the tax credit. Yeah, yeah, that's if you lease. Um, so there, there's there's a balance there. But the Cadillac Lyric, you've you've had time with it. Um, I think it's outstanding, and it's also stupid. The stupid part is General Motors is throwing us into these cars and saying, "Yeah, isn't this great?" Oh, by the way, we're you can't have one. Nobody's going to have one. You, you got to meet some of this demand, General Motors. Please, it's 
It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think they're you know having a hard time ramping up battery production, uh, and they just announced this week uh, that they're killing the Bolt and the Bolt EUV, which makes me very sad, Nathan. I think the Bolt. Uh, since we bought one, is one of the best EVs out it's there. It's an unsung hero. Yeah. And, and the production numbers should have been higher. Yeah, they did have a recall, and yeah, there was some fire danger and whatnot. Although, if you actually look at the recorded instances, it's not what you think, guys. And all the people who had one with the fire danger ended up with a whole new battery pack. Yeah, exactly. Or will end up with one. Or if you will it went yeah. up. And it's I think they're truly unsung heroes, but there's another reason for that. That's their old architecture. They're moving to the new... Ultium platform, new architecture, safer architecture, and whatnot. And then in the future, it's entirely possible that they, uh, that General Motors will be going to a new battery altogether. They're researching that now, but that's neither here nor there. So we did talk about the uh, Kia EV6, right? Let's talk about its brother. The uh, Hyundai Ioniq 6. Which we've been talking about. Uh, unfortunately, it's $47,000, but it might be a question of, once again, unobtainium or adjusted Markups, right? I, I would guarantee the adjusted ADMs, yep. yeah. Uh, so is there a generic equivalent of that? There is, and I think it's even better looking. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it is better looking, and uh, it doesn't uh, necessarily come to mind because it's a car that in the past has been, shall we say, the ugly duckling of the Toyota brand, but now no longer, Nathan. It's the ugly date at the prom in the past, but it's gone through a workout regime and has become a tighter, beautiful Cinderella. package. A Cinderella, a Cinderella story. Yes, a Cinderella story, truly. The Toyota Prius Prime. Now, it, not, not the regular Prius, which is a hybrid and already a really good idea, by the way, for a lot of you guys, because it's so damn good looking and actually kind of fun, but this is better. $40,000, Nathan. $40,000, and you have a little bit of experience with the premium. Yes, uh, 0 to 60 in 6.5 seconds. That's pretty quick. Yeah, and oh my gosh, did it go from being, you know, this stodgy, uh, ugly duckling to almost, dare I say, it's sexy. Or maybe it is sexy. There's no almost. It is sexy, yeah. It's sexy and it's logical. It's kind of a mixture of, you know... Einstein and Tia Carrera, and one thing, I'm sorry, I dated myself on that. Who's that? Andre Grande? Whatever. Anyway, really, really pretty on the outside, but very intelligent on the inside. Uh, it's not perfect. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard people say you throw it around a corner, it still reeks of being an efficient vehicle as opposed to a performer, but in a straight line, super quick, and kind of fun and rewarding to drive. And the Prime is a plug-in hybrid, so you're getting... Some pretty decent mileage right off the plug of uh, just all electric. I don't remember what the numbers were, but nonetheless, it is just the most logical conclusion of this type of vehicle and for a lot less money. All right. So I still haven't thought of a, a generic one of the Chevy Corvette. The closest I could think of, Nathan, would be like maybe the... Um how about a, a, a Challenger? I know the engine's in the wrong place. Yeah, not, not, not the, SR, the SRT, uh, like Last Call, right? Those are like in the $50,000 range. Not, not the, not the full-on Hellcat, but no, the no. 480 horsepower, you know, SRT. Yeah, with like one of their fun packages that yeah. they have. One of the and, Last Call packages. Yeah, there's, there's quite, there's, well, you know, I've, I'm a Challenger fan. Yeah. I, I love Challenger. Once again, it's, 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 it's a, you know, it's a two-door, four-seater. Corvette's a, you know, two-door. Two-seater two and, and engines in the wrong place and yeah. everything else. And it's a shame because, um, you know, had Honda had their druthers, they were talking about at one point building a less expensive version of the Acura um, NSX. NSX. And could you imagine something like that with that type of tech dropping down 20, 30 grand? It would have been an awesome player. But sadly to say, at least in the United States, that doesn't exist. And if it did, I don't think it would sell. Sorry, but you guys just don't buy them. It's just how it is. 
All right. Well, guys, if you have any other ideas for us, let us know in the comments. Please do. Uh, and thank you again for spending uh, this time with us. We are grateful that you tune in. And remember, if you're looking for, like, Nathan's review of the Polaris or his review of the ID7, where do they go, Nathan? They go to alltfl.com. Yep. As always, this is Roman. And Nathan. Saying, see you next time. Ciao. See ya.